Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. I just, I think it's a per, like the perfectionist in me. So uh, as we get closer and closer to competition, I'm looking to have more and more perfect practices. And if you're pushing yourself, they probably don't look perfect. And my coaches were pushing me and I was pushing myself. My teammates were pushing me. So, you know, I remember right before Worlds, I was wrestling Haley Ogawa, who I had to beat to make the team. And we were doing a match and she checked me. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredients. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gents, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. This is your host, Ryan Warner. My guest today is Sarah Hildebrandt, number one wrestler in the U.S. at 50 kgs. She got second at the 2018 World Championships, and she's wrestling this Sunday, November 1st, at the Hawkeye Wrestling Club Showdown Open, streaming live on Track Wrestling. Awesome conversation here, folks. Enjoy it. Fan of the Week goes to Clark Feldman. That's C. Feldman, 24 on the gram. Really appreciate the love and support. Folks, this episode is brought to you by a friendly reminder to leave a review or rating if you're listening to this on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to help bubble up this show to other folks who are looking for wrestling podcasts. That's it. I've said my piece. Let's get to the interview with Sarah Hildebrandt. Sarah Hildebrandt, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm great. It's awesome to be here. I'm I'm a little nervous. I listen to this podcast. I'm like, oh my goodness, now I'm here. <laughs> you do? I didn't know that. Yeah. Sweet. Well, I appreciate it. Let's uh, let's introduce you to the listeners. So a lot of places we could start, that, but I cannot go without saying how awesome your mom's She Wrestles Like a Girl video was. Um, oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah, it was cool to hear her talk about how you were begging her and she wouldn't let you. Um, but the one thing that caught my attention was that when you were a a real youngster, you were so shy in class that you went a whole year without ever talking in class. Is that true? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> My coaches would never believe it now. How did you uh, How did you get your start, and what was that battle like between you and your parents to let you actually go out and wrestle? Yeah, so, I mean, wrestling, I definitely never loved it. Like, from the get-go, my brothers wrestled, and I just kind of tagged along to the tournaments. It was like basically hide under the bleachers with snacks and color type of deal. <laughs> um, but eventually I was like, I want to pay attention, you know, and I was just cheering for my brothers and, and just watching them and cheering for them, how 
much I just started falling in love with the sport, not just like my brother's success, you know? And, and uh, I just started obsessively tracking stats and really watching everything, learning everything about all of the wrestlers on the team. And finally, I was just like, I want to do this. Um, so I tried to start a girls team, which is just so crazy to me to think that I did that. Uh, obviously, no girls came out. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then they needed a, they had nobody small enough to fill the 75 pound weight class. And I was only 60 pounds, 65 pounds at the time. And they're like, well, shoot, she wants to wrestle. Like, just go out there. Don't get pinned. That can be our plan. So that then I just had to convince my parents. And it was just like this battle of like, you know, people are going to disagree with it. People could make fun of you. You know, um, I was already very shy and very insecure. So to do something like this was very out of character for me, uh, especially because I was just afraid of people in a way. Um, but I, I didn't care. and and so. You know, like in my mom's video, she's like, who am I to say no to that? And here we are. <laughs> could you share, and if you can remember this, but could you share the journal entry that you wrote the, like the day before your first meet? It was, you read it recently on a video and I was like, who journals that diligently at that age? <laughs> right. Actually, I had, that was probably my third journal by then. I started journaling very seriously in like fourth grade. Um <laughs> And I still do to this day. Uh, but yeah, gosh, I wish I had the journal around me right now. But it was something like, tomorrow is my first dual me. And, you know, I hope I do okay. I hope I don't let the team down. I hope I don't let my school down, like things like that. And um, just being so nervous and afraid, um, you know, even about other people's opinion about me, then I felt like that was probably stemming from like, I had to prove something about myself to them, you know, and and obviously to myself, but you could just really read the insecurity that was still there. Um, and that wrestling was about to really change my life in that way because <laughs> about how insecure I was. And, and this was kind of the beginning of that, but, um, yeah, it, it, it's just cute to look back on that stuff. Yeah. It was, it's just, as you read it though, it made me nervous thinking back to, man, any, Anytime you meet a, you know, let's say a sixth grader or a seventh grader, like the moment for their first match, there's nothing more terrifying. Um, I don't remember my right. first match, so I don't have that kind of recollection like you do, but you read that and I was like, man, I'm, I'm getting nervous for you and knowing it had already yeah. happened. <laughs> right. I know. I, it's so funny, like just talking about this. Uh, yesterday I was just going through old pictures and it was just, you know, all my old pictures are me on my my team, my wrestling team growing up. So it's just me and a ton of boys. And I'm like, I cannot believe I did that. I don't know if I could do that now. I'm like, gosh, just looking back. And there I was the only girl and like 30 boys around me. And I'm like, it's so crazy to think back on and just every little step. And, you know, it, it's just really insane. It's amazing because now you're inspiring hundreds and thousands of other girls and guys. I mean, to go out there and wrestle themselves. It's cool that you grew up in a wrestling family, though. And your brother Drew, it's Drew, right? At Central Michigan? Yeah. 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 Um, man, what a year he was having last year before everything oh happened. Um, right. He was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> but I, from what I hear, your mom and dad were pretty competitive, and your dad would, like, drive you to work out in the morning. I mean, what was it like once you were into wrestling and they had accepted it? Was it just all-consuming for you? Um, I was still playing multiple sports. So really, we were just 
a crazy competitive athletic family growing up. Everybody tried everything. Uh, wrestling's just all of our favorites. But yeah, I felt like I was leaning towards wrestling. I loved it more than anything else. So yeah, in the mornings, actually my mom would come with me to the workouts. I mean, freaking five in the morning. And But it was all had to be initiated from me. Like my parents weren't going to drag me or force me to do anything. So like I had to set the alarm clocks. I remember distinctly waking up at five in the morning, shucking down in my parents' room and being like, mom, can you wake up and drive me to practice? <laughs> and, you know, they're like rolling out of bed, like, okay. So they're the best for doing that. Um, but yeah, I would train in the mornings because I was behind. I felt like, I don't know, I started in seventh grade. I knew a lot of people had started when they were younger. So once I got to high school, I knew that I had some catching up to do. So I trained in the morning. I would run at lunchtime. I would train after practice and then obviously practice after schools. So, um, and then I'd go to soccer practice after that or something, you know, there was that other sport. I was still doing that. I was still trying to work in until maybe my senior year is when I finally just did wrestling. And that's when you had, uh, you talked about this uh, on the podcast you do with Ben Askren, but a hellacious weight cut to 103. I don't know how you still yeah. wrestle because it sounded brutal. Um, what happened there? How much were you cutting? Yeah, I was actually a lot bigger than I am now in high school. And I, I really attribute that to, um, well, one, I just didn't eat healthy, but two, because of like bad weight cuts previously. And I was just caught in this vicious cycle of, you know, binge eating and binge dieting. Um, but yeah, I walked around probably at 129, 130. And I would cut to my senior year, I cut to 112, but I was doing that same cut to 103 uh, my junior year. So it was just, you know, two years of, I mean, just awful, awful weight cutting. And I honestly wanted to quit the sport. I hated it. Um, and it really, that just, it's made a passion right now for me and, and how I want to approach wrestling. And what I hope to change in wrestling is how we cut weight and how we are, you know, even us as a culture, how we kind of build this really negative, unhealthy, um, I don't know, environment around weight cutting. Um, and I was very much a part of that, caught up in that. Uh, and a lot of it was coming from me. It wasn't coming from my coaches. It certainly wasn't coming from my parents, but you know, just because of how wrestlers in general think and speak about weight cutting, I thought I was just doing what you had to do. Um, and on top of that, I felt like, you know, I'm wrestling boys. I don't want to wrestle 119 pounds. They start getting a lot stronger, a lot bigger. You know, if I'm at 103, they're smaller boys, uh, younger. So I felt like I was giving myself a com competitive advantage. Well, that just speaks to how much women's wrestling has changed. I know a lot of states uh, have wrestling now, high school, women's state. Um, but back then, how many, how many other girls in Indiana were wrestling? Yeah, I mean, maybe like four were on varsity teams all across the whole state. So it was like okay. me and Kayla Miracle were, you know, the names of in Indiana. And then there's probably a few other girls, but that's in the whole entire state. I was the only girl in my high school and really like in northern Indiana. So it was very small. There was no women's teams. <laughs> and, the, and the one thing I found was that you had a lot of success. And I, I noticed that you did ballet when you were younger and there's a world champion boxer, Lomachenko, one of my favorites. When he was younger, his dad made him do ballet. So I wanted to ask you, do you ever notice any correlations or 
anything to your wrestling game that you maybe picked up from ballet that you still use today with footwork or anything like that? Uh, more so in like a discipline standpoint. I mm. feel like ballet is very structured and there's a lot of discipline there. And so from a very early age, I was put in that. Um, and it even correlates in terms of like wrestling, like in ballet, you don't say no, you don't talk back, you, you know, you do what you're told. And it's very strict. And I think wrestlers kind of have that mentality too. Like the coach is like, get on the line, you get on the line, you're not talking back. Um, so I think in that kind of sense, um, but yeah, I freaking love ballet. I still have dreams of me doing ballet. Like it's still very much in my mind. Um, but yeah, maybe uh, there's like some flexibility still there, or I think ballet would kick my butt now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, uh, when you think about sports like that, gymnastics, um, ballet, where there's a lot of discipline and you got to think there's got to be some carryover there. Oh, for sure. Now, what are the most interesting parts of your career came in around 2017? You had the elbow injury and I heard you say that you were living, you the only way you were a pro was that you were going to practice. Like you weren't living the life of a professional. So give us a sense of Sarah Hildebrandt before and after. And what, what are the big changes that have taken place? Yeah, I really love that. The only way I was a pro is going to practice. That's a great way of putting it. And I think that's a line that should resonate with a lot of people. Like, is that you? And it certainly was me in 2017. And prior to that, you know, yeah, I was a wrestler. I told people I was a wrestler, but I really was only a professional athlete from, you know, nine to 1130. And maybe if we had another practice, um, I loved to eat whatever I wanted. Like I said, I was still crash dieting and cutting weight like that. Um, I would stay up late. I, you know, I just, there was nothing else in my life that would have told you that I was a professional athlete. Somebody walking down the street wouldn't look at me and think I was an athlete you know, just, or the way I acted, not even just, you know, who I was, but. How do you mean? Uh, I, you know, I think I was just rowdy. I like to go out. I like to stay out late. I like to hang around people who were known to not do the best things, you know, and, uh, it's embarrassing to talk about now, but yeah, like if I'm being honest, that's, I think if the wrestling community, then, you know, if they thought about me, I was never thought of as a serious threat because it didn't look like I cared about my career and it was so crazy because I remember caring about it so much, but there, I don't know if there was just, I wasn't willing to give all of me to that dream yet. Um, or maybe I thought I could just skate by, but it was a lot of just, you know, half-assing it. And, but there was no self-reflection. There was no accountability. I was not telling myself, you're not trying your hardest, you know, to me, this is what it was. And, uh, certainly wasn't, it's crazy to think about how, who I am now versus then I'm like, gosh, what was I doing? Um, but yeah, after I dislocated my elbow, there was just so much downtime and I really had to reflect on if this is what I wanted to do and what did I have to do to, to get there? And it just, you know, that courage to finally be completely honest with yourself and very brutally honest and so there was just a lot of like you need to make so many changes and um I just kind of started with all right I want to change weight classes and that kind of shuffled me into where everything else started changing so my diet changed and that naturally changed who I hung out with because like I don't want to go out to eat with these people every day or 
I'm not going to go out drinking, something like that. And really just one by one, more and more good habits kind of just naturally fell into place. And it gave me, when I would figure one out, it gave me the opportunity to turn to another. Um, so yeah, I would say I'm a complete 180 from 2017 Sarah to 2020 Sarah. And uh, I'm still searching and finding new ways to improve. Well, it's it's interesting because you were in that that comfortable space of you were still winning. In fact, you made a, a world team in 2016. You know, so you were still winning, um, kind of like when someone makes a good salary, but it's not enough to say, you know, you're not making a million, but you're also not making zero, right? So you're in that comfortable space where you don't have to change and you can kind of get by. And so you had that injury. And it's just interesting that because of that downtime, and I don't know, maybe you saw something else that caused you to self-reflect, but that it just seems like one of the biggest turning points in your life outside of going out for wrestling. Oh, 100%. I mean, I remember the change was so, probably to some people it looked very quick and, and it was so drastic that coaches were coming up to me at tournaments like, what happened? Like they were, you could see it. It was a very visible change. It was so drastic. and But yeah, I mean, it's really that injury and then having the ability to, you know, hold myself a accountable for everything that's happened happened to me um just catapulted my whole life um and really just how I approach anything you know versus whether it's wrestling or any problem that's coming to me at this point it's it's really like how can I reflect on myself and you know how can I hold myself accountable to make this better and I think we'd all do well and you know if we could all hold ourselves accountable look inward and see where you know, maybe our shortcomings are, or how can we make this, uh, where we can fix things, where we can, what can I do, you know, give myself that control. I think that could really help a lot of things. Well, and it, you think about now you're a, a professional in every sense of the word, super disciplined. You're one of the rising stars. You have your own clothing line with Rudis. What does a day in the life look like for Sarah Hildebrand? What time do you get up? What time do you go to bed? What are you eating? All that stuff. Yeah. So I'm an early riser. I love the mornings. I say I get up about five in the morning. Um, I don't set alarms. So that's like another thing I noticed once I started kind of zeroing in my life. I stopped setting alarms because I felt like they woke me up cranky. Um, and so now I just wake up whenever my body tells me to. Um, and if I slept in and slept through practice, to me, I'm like, okay, that's what I needed today. But I almost always find myself naturally waking up about 5 a.m. And yeah, I just love a nice slow morning, a yummy breakfast and nice coffee. Um, I eat pretty clean most of the time. So, you know, I'm always throwing veg in there, but I love bread. I'm a huge bread girl. So toast always. <laughs> um, but yeah, lots of chicken, rice, things like that. But practice is from 9 to 11, and then I come home for a pretty quick time, and then I go back to practice at 2.30 or 3, and then usually I leave training then by 6 o'clock, so um, sauna and all that stuff, come home, and I go to bed at about 8.30 if I'm trying to, if I'm staying up late, <laughs> but I know I'll come home, and it'll be 8 o'clock, and I'll turn to my boyfriend, I'm like, I need to go to bed, I'm sorry, so. So two-a-days, most days. Um, yeah, always work out twice a day. Sometimes it's interchanged with lifting or another mat practice. Um, but I'll go two a days, um, Monday, Tuesday, 
when or well Wednesday I'm not really really on the mat as much but I'll work out probably twice whether it's just stretching and a run or something like that and then Thursday Friday two days and then Saturday I just do a workout in the morning um and Sunday I'll usually do a, like yoga or something and if you're not wrestling what kind of strength and conditioning is it is it simply a three mile run is it timed intervals what what does that look like yeah so I'll lift weights like uh with olympic weight Olymp olympic lifts or anything like that on three days a week and then i do cardio every single day of the week uh against my coach's wishes <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm a cardio endurance fiend i love endurance training um but due to just you know i'm trying to train smarter and um so i kind of limit it to more like, like interval things or not running as long um, but if I could be on a treadmill all day, I would be on a treadmill all day. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. So would you like to do ultra marathon trail running at some point? That would be so cool. Okay. Here's the deal. My brain and my heart want to be a marathon runner so badly. My knee and my hips mm. do not, <laughs> they are not in agreement with my running obsession, but who knows, maybe after I'm done wrestling, my wish is that my body is feels better <laughs> not feels worse so uh i would love to explore that i know i will run a marathon at one point in my life um but who knows how much like where it could grow from that so i just can't train like that right now <laughs> it's crazy though even at you're 26 27 somewhere in there 27 yeah 27 but even at 27 you're already see, already starting to notice joint pain just from living oh, the life yeah. of a pro athlete. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you just got to think about how much repetition we're doing so much. Um, and then I, I do, I love to, I love to do extra stuff like running. So there's always that extra strain on my body. Um, but yeah, I, oh, it's funny. I'll be like, Oh, my knee's hurting just to hear the doctor be like, Oh, it's just arthritis. I'm like, oh, I'm 27. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Well, the, the, the thing that made me ask about the running is that I know you're in, uh, Colorado. How far is the training center from like Denver area, Golden area? Um, I would say like hour and a half. Okay. There's a lady who I've interviewed lives in Golden. Her name's Courtney Dewalter. She routinely wins 230 mile trail races and beats the men by like 10 hours. Uh, Holy moly. <laughs> yeah. She's in, and she doesn't sleep. It, the, the race I'm talking about, I think she completed 230 miles in 60 hours and slept one minute and beat the second place finisher by over, like I said, eight, 10 hours, something like that. Crazy. That is so, that is just, the thing about endurance training to me, that's so cool. And I'm sure, you know, all the other things are insanely crazy too, but like to put yourself through that misery for so long, like there's something so enticing about that challenge. And I think that's what I really love about endurance is like, that's what I did all quarantine and I got in trouble for it, but it was like, Oh, I don't have any wrestling coming up. I'm going to go on like a 12 mile run today and just, you know, <laughs> can I put myself through this? Uh, that's the fun part about it. But gosh, I cannot imagine on that level. She's a savage. <laughs> sanity. She, she's so competitive that after 60 hours of running of dust getting in your eyes with contacts, her eyes stopped working. And so she couldn't see. So she was tripping over rocks and she finished like bleeding because she kept falling because she couldn't see. It's just sick. Oh my goodness. That is just, 
I could see you doing that though. That's why I bring it up. Someone as like disciplined and determined as you, I could see that. Oh yeah, I'm down to try. I mean, just hearing you say that, I'm like, well, I wonder if I could do it. <laughs> well, the, the one thing I was also dying to ask you is I noticed you're a baker and the pecan yeah. pie that you baked last week, it looks ridiculous. Was it pecan? <laughs> what was it? Um, my cake that I, yes. It was I just saw on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. No, um, well, it was a cake, but there was a pecan pie filling in there. Um, yes, and it was a brown sugar cake with brown sugar. Uh, I think it was Swiss meringue buttercream. So, yes, I love baking. It is my, I have the biggest sweet tooth in the whole wide world. So, I, yeah, I cannot wait to explore baking more. You know, we're talking about after wrestling. Yeah. That's another avenue that I would love to explore. It's definitely harder right now because I can't have cakes in my house every day against <laughs> what my heart wants. <laughs> but um, yes, thanks. That, thank you for saying that looked yummy. Uh, it took five hours. <laughs> I was just surprised because I know you're, you know, cutting down to 50 for the Olympics must be, I mean, what's that 110? So yes lighter than high school. I know how bad that cut was. So I'm like, does she do that thing that wrestlers do where they bake food for other people and they don't eat it themselves? Yes. <laughs> 100%. <clears throat> My boyfriend, I'm always just trying to shove things his way. Or if there's a girl on the team who needs to gain weight, I'm like, here you go. <laughs> Adeline, she's always someone who's like, you know, wants to gain weight. And I'm like, okay, I need to whip up something for them. But but I'm always sneaking bites as I go. And I think mm -hmm. that's kind of why I like it is because I'm like, oh, I just snuck a little bite. But by the end of it, I probably licked half the bowl of buttercream. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I didn't know that, uh, you know, I, I have real challenges with the altitude. Um, like, I, I just don't know how people live up there. But I, I guess there's some kind of baking altitude issue oh. as well. I didn't know that. <laughs> Someone get me going. So bread <laughs> is like my favorite. Bread is, and that is so particular. I mean, it's just so finicky. Like it will change. Your whole loaf could change based on the weather. If you're five degrees hotter outside or anything like that, how wet or dry it is. Really? Yeah. So the altitude brings in a whole new layer of that to baking. And it's all just, you know, scientific reactions. So, you know, being higher up in the air makes a difference. So yeah, I haven't quite mastered it. So I'm hoping I'm actually a little better than I am in Colorado. I need to go back home to Indiana. Maybe I'm like secretly doing okay. <laughs> Get back down to sea level. That's right. Right. It, it, I'm altitude baking just like I altitude train. So, <laughs> well, <It's, laughs> speaking of the training, I mean, you're, you're known as someone where I watch a lot of your matches. You know, you have the gas tank and you are, are going the whole time. One of the years that jumps out to me, um, as I'm saying this, I keep thinking back to the wild match you had with Victoria Anthony at Mateo Pelicone. <laughs> that was ridiculous. That's like an example of just gas tank. But what I wanted to talk about was 2018 because your competition schedule that year is what I wish everyone did. You were gone a lot. Talk about your 2018 schedule leading up to Final X. Yeah, no, I was overseas probably half a year, like literally of days, probably half a year overseas. Um, mostly because I want to get status on United. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, I love to compete. It is my absolute favorite. There are, I feel like there's, you know, types of wrestlers. There's wrestlers who love to like 
nitpick and pick things apart. There's wrestlers who love to drill. I love to go live. If I only went live at practice every day, I would be happy. Um, so for me, it's like, you know, if it's between staying home and going to practice or going to Europe and competing, I'm going to com pick competing every single time. So, uh, and I love that just because I feel like it offers me a lot, right? Where I need to improve, where I'm doing well. Uh, it challenges your mind mentally. It challenges your lungs. So, yeah, I was overseas competing, shoot, everywhere. Um, and I felt like that just gave me the confidence going into Final X. I, I'd wrestled every type of wrestler you could, you know, so many different looks, different partners. I get to train with people overseas. So going into Final X to try and, um, you know, make that world team, I, I felt very confident I could get the job done domestically and then again internationally. And when you go to, you know, a lot of us had never been on one of these international tours. I've never been. Would you go, let's say the Oregon, um, would you go to that? You know, it's a, it's a what, two, one day, two day tournament. How long are you actually there beforehand and afterwards training? Because you look at the Oregon, a lot of times you could go, 0-1-1, and that's it. You've traveled to Russia 20 hours. And so I'm just curious, what goes on kind of before and after the tournaments when you go on one of those tours? Yeah, I mean, sometimes we're only there for tournaments like that. We do not get there that early. So I really will travel for like freaking 25 hours, and then, you know, you're wrestling in a day and a half. So it's a very quick turnaround from that travel. Um, but usually we try and extend our stays, try and do some type of camp afterwards because it's so important to get that international feel. Um, you know, can we get with new training partners, things like that. But there is something to be said about stepping off a plane and being ready. Like is your weight in check, uh, you know, shake off the jet lag as best you can and slap hands and it's go time. So especially those trips to Russia, man. They're so long. <laughs> so long. I was looking this morning. I think the 2022 World Championships are in Kresniark. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I texted my brother, and we, we've never been to one, but ever since 2018, we've just been dying to go. And I'm like, man, that it'd be cool to go to the motherland to see a World Championship, though, like where they yeah. you know, really love it over there. Oh, they'll do it up. Yeah, honestly, though, I love Kresniark. I love that tournament. Um, like we'll be staying at a hotel, but they know the wrestlers are going to be there. They'll put a scale on every floor of the hotel to go check your weight. Anybody who's there, they put like heaters in the workout room, extra heaters to work, cut weight. I mean, come on, man. Imagine if they did that in the States. That'd be so cool. You're like, I feel like people are always trying to find a scale or like turning up the heater in the workout room in the hotels, but they really are so hospitable. And it's just, it's a, great tournament obviously the fans love it so that is one to go to i think that's an amazing job well and as that that year was building up 2018 you, you went to all these tournaments as you said you're traveling the world making weight just just really living the life you make the team and i i had to ask you you said that before the world championships of 2018 every day you would cry every day and i, <laughs> I just wanted to know what what happened and you know were you battling some self-doubt going into that Oh, for sure. I'm still a big crier. Um, <laughs> not much has changed there. Yeah, I... But I guess why were you feeling self the self-doubt if you were have, coming off that big year and all that momentum? Right. I think um, 
I just, I think it's a per, like the perfectionist in me. So mm-hmm. uh, as we get closer and closer to competition, I'm looking to have more and more perfect practices. And if you're pushing yourself, they probably don't look perfect. And my coaches were pushing me and I was pushing myself. My teammates were pushing me. So, you know, I remember right before Worlds, I was wrestling Haley Ogawa, who I had to beat to make the team. And we were doing a match and she'd tech me. And I was like, oh, I'm not ready, you know, things like that. But, you know, that's just her pushing me and, and me just battling the stress of getting ready for a competition and all of that. You know, there's a lot going through your mind that kind of weighs your body down. And, and so I think just kind of navigating that, um, I had expectations for myself that when I made the team in 2016, I don't think I had. So this was a new experience for me I was actually going in ranked number one in the world as well so I think that was obviously an entirely new experience for me um so just kind of learning to navigate those expectations that I had but now the rest of the world had for me as well yeah I mean think about you carrying that going into every workout where if something goes wrong and you get tacked and we know how easy it is to get tacked in freestyle that there's that much pressure on yourself that you're taking it that hard. I mean, that's a lot to walk around with every day. Um, you know, back when you were kind of emerging into a star, now you've obviously grown into it. Yeah, it was so new for me. And it was just a whole new, you know, I had to learn how to leave practice at practice and, you know, find ways to lighten up and enjoy wrestling, enjoy my life outside of wrestling. And, and that was all a learning experience. And, and I do feel so much in a better place now with all of that. When you, I know you love to read and that when you're away from wrestling, you, you'll read a lot and that you actually want to also want to be a writer. How did that desire to, to write start? Is that something you think you'll do? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I've kept a journal since I was very young. So writing in that sense, but I also love writing stories. I love fantasy writing, reading and, and writing as well. Um, I actually developed my love for writing when I was a kid because I was very young probably in middle school or uh, elementary school. And I, I like the type. I like how it felt. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like, oh, this is just so fun to click these buttons. And so I would start by just like writing my name over and over, typing my name. And then I'm like, I need something long to type. And so I'm like, oh, I'll just make up stuff. And so I just started typing stories. And then I'm like, screw typing. I, w- I enjoy creating stories. So, um, and then obviously I just love reading as well. So I yeah. feel like, you know, they go hand in hand kind of, I need to create the story that I want to read. So yeah. Have you ever read Stephen King's book on writing? It's called. I have. It's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. I got it right here. I love it. Every, anytime I'm starting a documentary over and getting ready to write a script for it, I'll rewrite, I'll reread a couple sections, not the first half, cause that's more about his story, but the second half where he just gets the brass tacks and you're like, Oh my God, he's just such a professional so amazing and it's crazy because I don't really read a lot of Stephen King one because I'm a weenie and afraid of everything but two (laughs) um I don't know I I feel like I had read some writing books and they're okay so I I was just like low expectations going into that book and I just gosh that book is so awesome and it's also one of those books I feel like you can just read even if you don't want to be a writer like read for life (laughs) it motivates you like the fact that he's writing every single day yeah, I don't, again, you don't even have to be a writer. You could just read that and, and pick something up from it. A hundred percent. So I love that book. Love it. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and so you got a lot going on in your life. And 
you got your professional athlete, you got this rudest partnership. How did that all come about? And what was your reaction the first time they reached out? Yeah. So they reached out to me. They obviously don't have any of my information. So it was through Instagram at first and I didn't believe it was real. I'm like, this is a fake account or something. And like, <laughs> I'm like clicking on it. I'm like, surely this isn't really them. Like, I cannot believe this. And you know, I had got, you know, email us. We'd love to talk or set something up. So I, I just remember emailing them and being like, I hope these are actually them, like I, coming from their profile, but what if they're just like trolling me or something? <laughs> um, but yeah, so they reached out and they're just such a professional, amazing company. They flew me out to Ohio. You know, I met them. We're in this big boardroom. They have a slideshow with my face on it. You know, they roll out the red carpet and I'm just like, this is so cool. And, and anyway, I bring my parents because this is like, you know, a big, almost like a business deal. And I never had done anything like that before. I didn't want to be alone. Yeah, do you have and an so agent we're sitting around. You? No agent. My dad okay. and my mom are my okay. agents. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Momager, dadager. Um, but yeah, so we're just talking. And, and I know my dad was like, wanted to go reconvene and talk as a family. And and Rudis was looking at me and I'm like, I'm in. I don't care what they say. Let's do this. Because <laughs> I was so excited. And like, you know, everything they presented to me is just, just amazing. And so I just remember my dad being like, we need to convene. <laughs> but I was like, no, this is who I want to be with. Um, and since then, I mean, the relationship has only grown from a business one to a family one. And I just, I'm so lucky to have, that they reached out to me and uh, it's really, really great fit. Yeah. When you go to that uh, headquarters, I've only been there one time, but Matt Derlin uh, was so nice to have me one time and you walk around there and you're like, this is where every wrestling person should work. Like the, the warehouse <laughs> part of it, it's just wrestling gear. I mean, for as far as you can see, and then, you know, they have all the, the, the t-shirts and then the lobby, they have all the, the the trophies and historical oh, cool. gear from like Dave Schultz and Colat. It's like one of the coolest buildings I've ever been in period. Yeah. It's a little museum. Right. When you walk in, I'm like, Oh, it's so neat. And then I remember I went there the first time and I'm like looking at everything, just so amazed. And then I came back in 2019 and they had me up there. Like, this is so cool. <laughs> That's me. That's awesome. No, it's uh when you're around Jesse Lang, you just, that guy is you're like a visionary. Um, if I'm pronouncing, I think it's Jesse, right? The yes, CEO? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. He's like a Steve Jobs of the wrestling apparel world. He's on his game. He really is. And I mean, the whole, every time I get messages from them about, you know, directions they want to go or ideas they have, I'm just like, genius. Yes. Why didn't I think about this? I mean, they're constantly coming up with new things, new ideas from marketing to gear to just, you know, training even for me like I mean they just constantly have ideas um it's just so neat I, I love that I love how creative they are you know creativity that's something I love to indulge in and so to have that in wrestling and as my sponsor it's, it's so they're awesome it's so great to be a part of and their designers are great like their shoes look slick everything they do just looks really really solid Oh yeah, they um, definitely pride themselves on that and they have a great bunch. Uh, the whole design team and I remember when designing my clothes, just the questions they ask, like to me, I'm like, you design a brand, I'm thinking, okay, colors, fit, things like that. 
they came to me and they dug into my soul. <laughs> and that's how we designed the brand. It wasn't about like colors. It was about, you know, what's important to you. What do you want your legacy to be? What are five words that describe you, you know? And we designed my brand around that. Um, and what? so it's very personal. Yeah. Wow. That's deep. You know, that's getting really into it. Yes. And they are, they are deep. That is how, and that's really what's made our connection so strong. You know, they forced me to dig things out from myself and then I presented to them. So, you know, we know each other on a very, uh, you know, much deeper level than uh, business shake hands. Here's your t-shirt type deal. Right. No, it's cool to see that they're there and, and pushing on. I mean, a lot of good a lot of good things in wrestling right now. And you think about all the companies springing up uh, and then some of these one-off pay-per-views that are coming up. And I know you're wrestling in that. Um, we'll wind down with that. Talk about this upcoming match and how that came to be. Yes. So pumped. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. Be back in Iowa city next week. Um, so Tom Brands reached out to me again. One of those moments where you're like, is this real? Is this actually Tom Brands? <laughs> <laughs> email um, call instagram twitter text message okay and then one time he just like one off called me and i wasn't expecting it and he was like i think he said like hey what's up and i was like i'm good like i just build <laughs> out words i'm like oh my goodness sarah get your act together <laughs> for sure but yeah so he reached out and we just worked um he wanted to have women on the card and you know, I just love that his initiative to include women and grow women's wrestling. And um, so, of course, I opponent? wanted to be a part of it. Uh, they did not have an opponent yet. So we kind of worked through that, um, kind of setting things up. Um, so, yeah, we came up with Erin Golston, which is great. I've never wrestled her in the senior level like that. So uh, I'm fired up about it. Can't wait. November 1st. Beautiful. We're excited. Track Wrestling is going to be streaming it. Um, I just love that there's so much innovation right now around ways to have matches and also raise money for the athletes. It seems really cool. Oh my gosh. It's a win for literally everybody. And mm -hmm. I love that. I love seeing this shift. Um, I had mentioned to someone earlier, just how cool if we start seeing these cards pop up more and more, it changes like the dynamic of wrestling for some people. Like, you know, I just think, there's a there could be Olympic wrestling and people pursuing the Olympics and we could be involved in that as well. And it's a great way to support us, but there could also be people who want to extend their wrestling career and maybe they just do these cards. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's one thing to train for the Olympics, but Hey, to train for one match or something. So you could see the longevity of people's career uh, increase. And I, I love that to have people stick around and I don't know, it just brings a whole new element into it all. It really does. I mean, especially when you think about, we just heard that the U.S. is not going to the Worlds this December. It was a huge bummer. But then not too long after, we start hearing hypothetical matchups. And we're like, well, everyone should be wrestling this December. If we're not going to go to the Worlds, let's put all the best people together and do a, a card or two, you know? Yeah, I love that. That's so, And this would never have happened, you know. Obviously, Worlds are great. That's a bummer. You know, we all want to be there. But now it's opened up a whole new door where we, you know, Jordan Burroughs and David Taylor, could that happen now? Like that's something we would never seen before the Olympics. So I don't know. There's silver linings for sure. Absolutely. Now, one of the last questions is, were you planning on going to the worlds this year or were you one of those athletes that was not going to compete if we were going to go? 
You'd no, I was definitely. You don't want to. No, yeah, I uh, I was definitely on that stage. Like, all right, just tell me where to be and I'll be there. So I was preparing to go to the trials. I was preparing to go to the world championships, um, but I was not very optimistic that they would actually happen. Mm. Um, so I, I maintained pretty neutral, and then. Once they said we couldn't go, I was like, wait, no, I do want to go. <laughs> so, but I understand. Um, I totally understand. And since I think I kind of maintain that neutral, it's just like, all right, I'm going to stay. What's the next thing? Okay. I'm getting ready for that. If that's just a two month stint of training, then that's where we're at. And I'm, I'm ready for that. So uh, I don't feel too swayed or affected. I feel like. Well, you just rattled off an OW performance in Iowa City, so I'd say you're you're on track. Let's uh let's wind down with three rapid fire questions. Okay. The first one, I don't know how to ask this because I want to tease it out, but what does your coach tell you? And I know the answer, but I just think it's so awesome. What does your coach tell you instead of saying on deck and in the hole? What are your? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have designed a new thing. So there's sleeping lion, which is. The third one, that's in the hole. See, I already don't know those in the hole. In the <laughs> hole is sleeping lion, so you're just calm still. On deck is pacing lion. What did I say it is? It's stalking like, lion. Stalking lion. Yes, stalking lion. And, you know, you're getting ready. You're stalking lion. You're hunting down that prey. And then ready on the mat. We're attacking lion. It's time to eat. And... Uh, yes, that resonates much. It's much easier for me to understand that because <laughs> we'd be back there and he'd be like, all right, you're in the hole. I'm like, shoot, ripping off my clothes. He's like, what? You have time. Like <laughs> I could not get that. So we designed a new one. I love it. I absolutely love it. I hope Brutus comes out with some kind of lion shirt to match that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everyone hop on board with it. We're tr transforming to this now. <laughs> Sleeping lion. That's what it's going to be. Um, <laughs> Second is you might have one of the coolest bloody eye wrestling pictures of all time. What happened? Where were you? What's the backstory on that? Yeah. So I was at practice. It was the day, the day before we left for world championships. Okay. So we're about maybe 14 days out from worlds. I'm wrestling Amy Fernside and we're going live and I snapped her down and she pulled up and my head was, I was just trying to like block, I think. So her head took my head and I just fell to the mat and kind of held my hands. I remember everybody being like, okay, Sarah, get up. And I'm like, oh no, something is seriously wrong. And I just like lifted up, dropped my hand and it was just like, and everyone's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, then I had to go get 15 stitches. Obviously my eye ballooned up. Uh, I lost my eyebrow for a little, <laughs> but 15 stitches, uh, and I had 14 days to world. So I'm like, okay, mm. hopefully this stays glued together. <laughs> did it open up? It did not open up, but it was 14 days of training with that annoying little mask on. Oh. Um, so I really forgot that's about how that. I prepared for world. <laughs> yeah. Those are awful. Nothing more no, unflattering. <laughs> you can't see. You can't breathe. It just looks ridiculous. You cannot breathe. I mean, I'm like, you know what? If anything, right now I'm wrestling pretty much blind and not breathing. So come worlds, once I rip this thing off, I should feel pretty good. 
Man, that's funny. Well, that 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 picture's sweet, and you got a good story for it because your reaction in it is just it's priceless. Yeah, at least we got the cool picture, and that's what I said. I'm like, they're like, you need to go to the down to the sports med right now. I'm like, we need to get a picture. <laughs> I'm like, somebody take this picture first. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, Sarah. <laughs> it turned out well. Okay. Last one, and this is a little more serious, but I know you and your brother Drew are super close, as you are with all your family. Uh, your sister's a coach. Um, your older brother got you guys started, but you and your brother Drew seem to work out a lot. So rather than asking how did wrestling change your life, how did you know, the influence of your brother, how has that impacted and changed your life and your wrestling? Right. Well, first of all, it's his birthday today. So happy birthday, Drew. Happy birthday. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think just, having somebody who is trying to pursue something that you're pursuing that means so much to you, like that is such a special bond, right? That brings someone so close together. So to see him push through things, um, it just gives me hope that I can do it, you know, and it's inspiring to see him improve and, and look for new ways to better himself and, and kind of challenging each other in that way. And it's always been very indirect. Like we're not like, Oh, I'm going to place higher than you. You know, it's just, we really do wish the best for each other. And, and so, you know, constantly, even just this morning, I'm wishing him a happy birthday. I'm like, thank you for inspiring me. Thank you for showing up for yourself, you know, cause that makes me want to do that for me. And, um, and just having somebody who really wants to see you succeed. And I, I love that. And that's a huge part of my success. So um, I'm so happy that I get to be chasing these dreams down with him. And, uh, you know, he is attacking lion. So I'm excited, happy <laughs> to have that in my corner. So. I, I bet you, uh, cause I know you guys used to wrestle a lot. Could you notice a huge difference between high school drew and college drew? Like after he'd been up there for a while? Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is like, <laughs> I stand no hope now. <laughs> it's like, when I tie up with him, it's like a freaking rock. I mean, obviously I'm a lot smaller now too, but just, it's so cool to go, go home and even just watching him wrestle, I feel like I pick up so much. And so mm. to have, be able to translate that, but he is just so intelligent, um, can help me so much. And, and, but he's still so great to wrestle. You know, he's not out there trying to rip my head off or, you know, I'm a big bad man. I can beat your butt. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's definitely like, we work with each other, you know, and I hope that I can bring some stuff to the table as well. I think I do. And, and so to be able to trade ideas and our experiences, I think it just makes us even, even better wrestlers and people. I love it. It's awesome to see that it's a family affair. Sarah Hildebrandt, we're pulling from you here from Chicago. Wish you nothing but the best. Thank you very much for taking the time today. Thank you so much. It's been an honor. Take care. You too. And all great things must come to an end. If you want to hear more from the podcast, text WRESTLE to 555-888. That's WRESTLE to 555-888. You can also find us on Instagram, Wrestling Changed My Life, Twitter, Ryan underscore N underscore Warner, as well as our website, WrestlingChangedMyLife.com. Take care, y'all.